tuned into another episode of Now Hear This. It's lovely to have you. Welcome. My name's Melanie Tate. If you've switched on your TV to ABC this week or tuned your radio to pretty much any of our stations, you'll know the ABC has been supporting Mental Health Week this week through some really wonderful programming, all under the umbrella of Mental As. We've seen some incredible stories. We've gone inside the mental health unit at Liverpool Hospital in Changing Minds. We've looked at some of the latest research on schizophrenia in RN's All in the Mind. This week on Now Hear This, we're hearing two incredible stories. A reminder to anyone who might be feeling distressed by either of these stories, do reach out and chat with somebody at Lifeline on 13 11 14. You can also visit Beyond Blue's website, beyondblue.org.au. The first story you'll hear this week was told a few months ago at the Noosa Long Weekend Festival. It's from Donna, and a warning that some might find this story upsetting. Here's Donna. Okay, well, um, it's really great to be here tonight. Um, I want to share a story with you that I haven't shared or I haven't shared publicly before and uh, there's only a few handful of people who know this story or, or know the details. I'm hoping by sharing this story that it might help someone somewhere, someday and um, I suspect it'll probably help me as well. On the 12th of August, uh, Sunday the 12th of August, 2012, after contemplating suicide methods for a couple of days, I made a decision, rather unexpected decision, to jump off Brisbane's iconic Story Bridge. <laughs> At the time, I felt like I was going through an identity crisis. I had um, people, good people in my life, friends and family, um, but I had established uh, earlier that year that I um, had three key strengths, um, being integrity, vitality and tenacity, and I felt that I wasn't displaying those strengths at all. And I felt if I wasn't these things, who was I? I, I couldn't understand. Um, my thinking had become really irrational. I, um, I thought I was going to get sacked from my job, um, never mind the almost 17 years of good work that I'd done there. But um, I felt like we, I would be responsible for my partner losing the house that he had brought to our relationship. And um, I felt like I was and would be even more so um, a really bad mother to our then two-year-old son. I was involved in a high-profile um, project at work and was leading a small team. I felt like I could only see my shortcomings. All I could see was my shortcomings and I felt that that's all anyone else could see as well. I had stopped exercising, which is one of my key coping strategies, and I 
My partner was away at the time. Um, I was unable to sleep. The manager that had been professionally supporting me in my new work role um, was out of town for um, a few weeks. I, um, I couldn't see any way out of the situation that I was in. I was desperate. Um, I thought that perhaps the answer was to um, commit suicide so that my partner would be able to save the house and, um, and that, in fact, my, my son and partner were better off um, without me. So under the guise on the Sunday of going to get the shopping, I drove to the Story Bridge to work out where I would park that night when I returned. I paced the bridge a couple of times and came back to the middle and thought, if you're serious, just do it now. And I climbed over the fence and fell to the river. <laughs> I... Um, I remember rising to the surface and I remember looking up. I remember the icy water stinging my body. And then I don't remember anything else until I woke up hot with these heavy blankets pushing down on my body. And I um, was in the hospital ER and um, apparently I'd been saved by a city cat driver. Um, I, I, um, I think one of the most scary parts of this story is that 65,000 Australians attempt suicide every year and as many as 20 per week go to the story bridge with that intention. In that particular year, 2,500 Australians completed suicide and that's double the road toll for that year, but it still feels like such a taboo subject. When I look back now, um, the central character of this story feels like someone else, and in some ways it was. Um, I was lucky enough to escape um, with five fractured vertebrae and a fractured rib and um, a lacerated liver. Um, and in the weeks and months after that, I, I, um, I struggled with um, dealing with, you know, what I'd done and, and what I'd actually almost done. But I became really um, certain that the fact that I'd survived the experience meant that I was meant to be here. <clears throat> I learned a lot from the experience and the year of therapy that followed it. Um, I learned that my self-concept was very fragile. Um, while it might always be a battle for me, I, I know now that I um, can't rely on external validation for me to feel capable or valuable. I realise that a perceived or real deviation from my values does not mean that that's no longer who I am. 
I know that my son needs his mother, imperfections and all. My hospital discharge summary noted that I was likely at chronically increased risk, and I know that that's not the fa- not the case. Um, one of the clinicians in the mental health unit told me that a completed suicide would put my son at 50% greater risk of suicide. And I could never do that to him. I learned that it's possible to recover and even flourish from such a significant, after such a significant life event. The role that I do as a um, crisis support worker um, that I've been doing for the last 12 months allows me to manage my own risk while at the same time helping others who are considering such tragic and permanent action. I... um, I really forgot what I was going to say. <laughs> I, um, I feel really fortunate now to um, have a job where I get to use my strengths um, on a daily basis. But what's more, I get to help others to identify and use their strengths in their work. I feel really passionate about serving others and I feel really grateful to have a second chance at life. Thank you. Donna told that story at the Noosa Long Weekend Arts Festival at a Now Hear This We Did with Richard Feidler's Conversations. A reminder that support is available via Lifeline 13 11 14 and Beyond Blue 1300 22 46 36. You're Now Hear This. I'm Melanie Tate. If you're interested in taking part in a Now Hear This, there's only one left for the entire year and it's in a couple of weeks. It's on October the 29th at the Art House Hotel in Sydney and the theme is Unexpected. So what happens is this. You prepare a story, a five-minute story, to the theme Unexpected to tell in front of an audience without any notes and on the night you put your name in a hat and if you're pulled out, you tell your story. Our final story is actually from one of those slams and it was told on a cosy winter's night by Mart Basser. There's a picture of my sister Portia and I. I'm in front of the Harbour Bridge. It's our very first day in Australia. It's 1988 and it's bicentennial year, as you know. And um, I look at that picture and... I remember exactly what I was thinking as I tried to put my arms around her. She's, you know, staying away. (laughs) I'm thinking, now I'm in Australia, I'm going to be a woman. I was 10. I must have decided when I was five or six that I really wanted to be a woman. 
And um, I grew up in the Philippines, so I was looking for everything that had something to do with this. So I saw this article on Caroline Tula Cossi, if anyone remembers. Um, she was quite famous for becoming a woman, from man to woman. Um, and she was fighting the rights, I think, around the late 80s and early 90s for transgendered people's um, right to get married. She married an Italian man. Anyway, but she was more famous, actually, for being a Bond girl. And I thought, that's perfect. I want to be just like her. I want to be tall. I want to be skinny. I want to have hips and a waist and breast. I didn't want to be blonde, but I wanted that hourglass figure. And in Australia at that time, I knew about Carlotta. I don't work for the ABC or anything. <laughs> um, and I knew she was there, but I couldn't... I was 10, or I was... And I, like, between 10 and 12, this happened, and she... Um, I just knew she was there, because I was too young to go to King's Cross. I was quite afraid to venture out. I was a very protected child. And... Um, I, but I thought... If Caroline is there, and if Carlotta is there, then I can be there as well. So, um, I was a fat child, and around year 10, which was... Well, actually, after year 10, which was around 1993, I was 15. Yeah, um, I shot up. I became really skinny. And I thought, that's great, because I didn't have to spend extra money to suck out the fat. And, um, yeah, I was thinking like this. Um, I, I grew up in Manly, and we had a neighbor. She was Polish. She is Polish. And um, we would actually do competitions, you know, like we would suck in our stomachs so that we could create that perfect hourglass figure and to be really, you know as thin as possible. She always edged out, lucky woman. <laughs> and um, all through this, my mom tried to get me help. She saw a consultant who then ended up finding a psychiatrist. Because if you want to be a woman or a man, you have to have two years of psychiatric evaluation. I got that. And... Um, Throughout it all, my mom kept quiet. I, I guess she was, I don't know, waiting it out. But she never said, you can't do this. She didn't say, you can do this. I just remember her sitting there, just quiet. Sometimes she would come to the, the psychiatrist, who was in Dremoyne, and... Um, I just remember her sitting there. So I'm in high school, and people are actually quite supportive of my decision that a friend of mine's mother's friend has someone in their family who has gone through the change. And she becomes my mentor, and she was in New Zealand, so it was nice. But again, there was still none of that... 
one-on-one -on -one kind of getting to know a transsexual person. And I remember in year 12, we had the formal. I sort of phased out after year 11 and 12 because I was doing these, um, this evaluation. And um, when I shot up and became really thin, I grew like acne and rosacea and body hair started to grow. I grew my hair up to here because I wanted to be a woman. And I grew hairs on my chest and my face and my legs. And I did everything I can to get rid of it. My very first job was in McDonald's, and I was still at McDonald's then. And I would go to the beautician every time I would get my face waxed, my legs waxed, my chest waxed, and I would pull the hairs out from my armpits. It didn't hurt, but now they're very thin because of that. And I, I put everything on my face to try to get rid of the, the acne. I just sort of... I don't even remember not wanting to be a boy. And I remember the very last day I was with the psychiatrist and he said, what are you going to do now? Because that very last day was really my eve of taking medication. You know, the estrogen, etc. And... Um, I wanted to be such a model when I was young. I don't know why we have these dreams. You know, when, when you watch these people in Australian Idol or something, they have this, even though they're terrible singers, they have this real sense of belief that they can sing. And I had that real belief that I was going to be a woman because it was two years I was allowed to become a woman. But... On that last day, I was on the bus from Des Moines to the city to catch the ferry. I remember it so vividly. It was like today, actually. It was windy, but also sunny. And usually I like to sit on the wrong side, which I did, facing the full bus. And there was this kind of... Was it a prayer? Was it like a... I was talking to myself, and I just said... And I'm not, very, I'm not a religious person, but I just said, if God wants me to be who and what I am, the way I am, then that's what I'll be. And I never became a woman. Thanks. Mark Bassa. Mark told that story at the Now Hear This Storytelling Slam in Sydney earlier this year. A reminder that support is available via Lifeline 13 11 14 and Beyond Blue 1300 22 46 36.
All the information you need to know about Now Hear This you'll find on our website via RN or our Facebook page or our Twitter at NHT Stories. If you'd like to tell a story, do try and get to our October Slam if you can. We would love to have you. Today's stories were recorded by Robert Apollini and Martin Peralta with technical production by Joe Wallace. I'm Melanie Tate. I'll be with you tomorrow for Weekend Arts from 2 o'clock, but enjoy your Friday night. I hope you get a story or two out of it. Thank you.